0: Thank you indeed. Um, It's good to be here. It's good to share the word with you. I just want to commend Maria for the awesome way that she's involving lots of different people in our worship service. It's really refreshing. My wife and my youngest daughter are not here with me. Um, My wife, well, we've all kind of been battling sickness, but my wife has finally, uh, over the last few days, got a bit more sick so she's staying at home resting um but it's awesome to have my youngest daughter here with me um who is the joy the light of my eyes as the jewish fathers would say she is my bekora which is hebrew it means firstborn daughter bekora um anyway i I love you all very much um those here and those at home i'm also blessed to have my good friend and brother um Alex Douglas here with with us. Um, He has really been blessing us with his music. Well, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into the message. Father God, now is your time. I just pray that you would give me the ability to speak your word. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about Migdal Edda. Migdal, or Eda, probably better to say it that way. Can you say that with me? Migdal Eder. Migdal Eder. This means tower of the flock. Tower of the flock. You might be wondering what this has to do with the Christmas story. You might be wondering what this has to do with the story of shepherds and angels and songs and mangers and straw and swaddling cloth. You know, even if you look here in the corner, I believe it's over here, you have this uh, nativity scene that our hosts here in the um, Methodist church have done. And many of us have seen the picture of the nativity so often, whether on pictures or in in front of churches or uh, in movies. We've seen it so often that when we read the story there found in Luke the second chapter we can read it without really reading it we can see it without really seeing it we can hear it without really hearing it and so as I was reading again this passage of scripture which by the way for those of you who consider Ellen White to be a specially gifted author she says of this passage of scripture it's inexhaustible it's inexhaustible in its meaning that's what she says as i was reading this i wanted to understand why shepherds why shepherds you know we read the story and we know it so well we take the, we take it for granted but really and truly don't you find that the shepherds are an odd addition to this story why did the angels appear to shepherds? Now, some of you perhaps um, don't know much about shepherds, and neither did I. But in the ancient times, shepherds were not respected people. Shepherds were like, um, how can I say this politically correctly? Um, rubbish removal engineers. Can I, can I say it like that? Garbage removal technicians. Bin men. The people who come with their big, you know, you've seen them on the road, and it's why is it always at seven a.m. Why? why that's the only time they can let, And you're running out there in, in, in your in your dressing gown because you forgot to take out the rubbish the day before. Some some gentleman knows what I'm talking about. You had a conversation with the good wife. Take it, yay. I'll take it out, but then it got tired. You were watching the highlights, whatever you were doing. Seeing it, and you said, "I'll do it in the morning." And then you are woken up to the sound of do 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 do, and you run out there and you take your you take your rubbish and 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 you and you, and you just get it. But at that point, you have never thought to yourself, "God, what a job! I really wish I could be one of those guys." It's never happened. <laughs> And we thank God for them. They do a massive service for us. But not many people, wow, thank you, Jesus. Not many people aspire to be the people whose job it is to take care of the rubbish of our society. Most people don't have that as their dream. Well, in the ancient days, being a shepherd was the same way. It was not a well respected job. So here's the thing why would the angels show up to bin men? The most amazing thing has happened in the history of the universe, and you don't go to 10 Downing Street, you don't announce it on CNN, you go and you find some bin men on their tea break. The only people who have ever heard what it sounds like when angels praise God are bin men. Why? Why shepherds? And so I was, I, was, I, was, I was trying to understand. And you know, as preachers, it's very easy to make applications. And so sometimes we and I can be guilty of jumping to application before we've really dug in and so I was going to preach a great sermon about how God chooses the lowliest among us isn't that a good sermon? God chooses the lowliest among us doesn't matter whether you're at the top or at the bottom God will still share his revelation to you I was going to preach about how God comes not to the greatest but to the least but then I started digging and I realized that actually it had to be shepherds I want to show you why Megalieda, turn with me in your Bible if you have it, and if you don't have it, uh, share with a friend. Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. We're going to read this three. You're going to think to yourself at first, what does this have to do with it? But just hang on there this morning. I'm going somewhere. Genesis 35, verse one. I am in the New American Standard uh, Bible. Genesis. Chapter 35, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and live there, and make an altar there to God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which which they had and the rings which were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the oak which is near Shechem. As they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them. And they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him, he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God had revealed himself to him when he had fled from his brother. Now Deborah... Rebecca's nurse died, and she was buried below Bethel under the oak. It is named, it was named Alon Bakuth. When God then God appeared to Jacob again, when he came from Padan Aram and he blessed him, God said to him, Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give it to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a pillar in that place. Where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it also. So Jacob named the place where he had spoken with him Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there were still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, do not fear, for now you have another son. It came about, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a pillar over her grave that is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day Then Israel journeyed on and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eda It was the best of times it was the worst of times. Jacob spoke to God face to face. God said to Jacob, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you the inheritance of your father, Abraham. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply There are going to be nations and kings coming out of you. And Jacob was so blown away by God's revelation that he set up a pillar and he called the place where he was Bethel. And you can imagine how happy and excited he must have been and his family with him must have been. And most of all, his wife, his favorite wife, by the way, Rachel, was pregnant heavily pregnant and they just received a prophecy from God that there were going to be kings and nations coming out of him and so I can imagine him looking at Rachel now and smiling at her that knowing smile saying yes honey in your womb right now is the answer to the promise of God and they decide to travel from Bethel to Bethlehem Jacob and his heavily pregnant wife, Rachel. But they don't make it to Bethlehem. On the way, on the road, Rachel starts to have contractions and they have to stop. And the Bible says that the labor is is, is severe. And so she is pushing this baby into the world. But as she is giving life, she is losing it. Now try to imagine this with me. Try to imagine Jacob's emotions having gone from the high of actually meeting God face to face and later on that same day realizing that the wife that he loved the most might be about to die. Can you imagine that contrast? And so the Bible says as her soul, literally the Hebrew says, as her breath was departing. In other words, with her very last breath, as she pushes out this boy, with her very last breath, she names him Benoni, which means son of my suffering. And here is Jacob now. He's just been told he's going to be this father of all these nations. And later on the same day, he loses his wife. And he finds himself building another pillar. Earlier in the day, it was a pillar to God's goodness and faithfulness and revelation. But later on the same day, it was a gravestone to his wife, his girl. That girl that he saw that stole his heart. Rachel and he names the son that she called son of my suffering benoni not Benoni but Benjamin son of my right hand or favored son and he has to bury her with Bethlehem in sight they build this stone and they call it Migdal Eder tower of the flock and forever in a day that place, that area just outside Bethlehem became known as the place of the tower of the flock the place where we remembered the most bitter experience that ever happened in Jacob's life Jacob who by the way his name was changed to Israel, the most bitter experience in Israel's life Migdal Eder. Tower of the flock. And generations go by. The monument that was there stays there. And soon in this area, because it is very, uh, lots of plains, lots of grass, the sons, the descendants of Jacob start to raise their sheep there. And soon they are grazing all around Bethlehem. All in this area of Ephrath, which is another name for Bethlehem. Ironically, it means fruitful. Fruitful. His wife died on the road to Fruitful. I don't know if anyone's getting this. They started to graze their cattle around there. And soon this small pillar, which was a a, a memorial to the death of Rachel, they built it up until it became an actual watchtower. And they still kept the name, Migdal Eda, Tower of the Flock. And they would use these towers as a place to survey across the whole Area To see if there were any uh, wild animals or or other tribes that would come to try to steal or attack the sheep. Tower of the flock. The tombstone of Rachel. And then time goes on and we remember the story. David himself. The young David. Following in this tradition. uh, Keeps his own father's sheep. In the shadow of the tower of the flock. Shadowed, overshadowed by the death. This terrible, tragic experience in Israel's history. Overshadows him as he watches his father's sheep. David grows up to become the king. And his son Solomon grows up. And Solomon builds the temple. You know the story. And Solomon builds the temple, and so uh, they realize now, because there's a temple, that they have need for massive amounts of sheep. Quick lesson. In the sanctuary service, every morning and every evening, they had to sacrifice a lamb. That was the rule that God had set out. And so every morning and every evening, they sacrificed a lamb. Where did they get all the lambs from? Well, they had to grow them. And so Bethlehem, which was just five miles from Jerusalem, became the place where the sheep for the sacrifice were raised. And the shepherds who watched these sheep over time were not just simply shepherd boys like David, but eventually they became... uh, uh, Well, let me say this, Levites who were priests became assigned to be shepherds, to watch over the sheep. Why? Because the the sheep in the temple had to be specific. They had to be a year old, they had to be male, and they had to be spotless. And so now there were these shepherd priests whose job it was to watch the sheep. In Bethlehem, the sheep that were destined to be sacrificed in Jerusalem were born and raised in Bethlehem in the shadow of Migdal Eder, Tower of the Flock. They used to use this tower, and in fact, as you can see on the screen, here's sort of some remnants of this tower. They used to use this tower to um, huddle the sheep in. To protect them from attack. They also used to use the tower as a birthing place for sheep. In the time of the lambing season. They used to take the lambs, the mothers, the ewes into the tower. It used to be taller but as you can see it's fallen down. They would take it into the lower section. And in a very special ceremonial pure way. They would have these lambs be born. So that they could indeed be used as the sacrifice. And so by the time you get to Jesus' day, though the memory and the original meaning and the original significance of Bethlehem Ephrata was lost, still when people heard the word Bethlehem, they thought, ah yes, sacrificial lamb. All the sheep in the temple came from Bethlehem. There is some strange prophecies. In the book of Micah, Micah chapter 4, verse 8, Micah says this, and you, oh what? Tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, the former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. God, through Micah, prophesies to the tower of the flock that the dominion is going to come from you. Micah 5, verses 42 says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, we are familiar with this verse, who are but little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. Whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labour has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall mourn. Shall, sorry, shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. I don't know if you can catch the significance in these prophecies. But in speaking about Jesus, they keep mentioning the idea of uh, shepherding, sheep, Bethlehem, labor. The very elements of this most painful story. And so, as was read for us, one day, there are some shepherds. But these are not just shepherds. These are priest shepherds. These are shepherd priests. And they are out there watching their sheep. But these are not just any old sheep. These are sheep who are destined to be sacrificed for the sins of the people in Jerusalem. And they are keeping the sheep at night. And one day an angel appears to them. And says to them. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. For today in David's city is born the Christ. The Messiah. The Savior. And light shines around them. And they hear the celestial singing. And they seal the celestial beings. And it is almost as if you can hear, you can hear the, the words of Isaiah as you see this scene. Where he says in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land in the shadow of death. Upon them hath the light shined. These shepherds literally were shepherding their sheep in the shadow of Migdal Eder, the tombstone of the death of Rachel. On them, the light has shined. What am I trying to say today? Jesus is born. In the place of Israel's pain. Jesus was born in the place of Israel's pain. The most painful experience for Jacob was losing his wife. And think of the irony. God had just promised him to become a great nation. And the same day, his wife dies in childbirth. Why is it that sometimes God's promises come laminated with trouble? Have you ever noticed this? God promises you something and then as you try to go for it, you find that you end up in so much pain and trouble. Some of you came to this country because you believed that God was leading you here. And yet when you come here, you find pain and trouble. The people around you act as if you are some sort of criminal. They wonder why you're here. They don't want to treat you the same. And you think to yourself, God, why did you make me leave Bethel? In Bethel, everything was fine. In Bethel, I was getting a revelation. In Bethel, I was hearing from you. But now that I'm on the way to Bethlehem, to Ephrata, to the place of fruitfulness, that's when I encounter the worst tragedy in my life. And Jacob had to live the rest of his life looking at the pillar which represented his pain. But God is so faithful. Jesus could have been born anywhere, but he said, no. That king, that king that was prophesied to come from you, Jacob, I'm going to have him be born right where you lost your wife. Right in that place of your greatest pain. That's where Jesus is going to be born. And so, my challenge for you this Christmas is to look for Jesus in the place of your greatest pain. Look for Jesus in the place of your greatest suffering. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, maybe it's the breakup of a relationship, a marriage. Maybe it's a wayward son or daughter. Maybe it's, it's a lost job. Whatever it is. But I guarantee you, if you go back to that place and if you look hard enough, you will find a small manger there. And in that manger, you will find the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is not born in a palace. He is born in the place of Israel's greatest pain. But secondly, and I love this part, Jesus is the true sacrificial lamb. We know this. John the Baptist declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Where else could the sacrificial lamb be born than where the sacrificial lambs are born? Of course he had to be born in Bethlehem. That's where all the sacrificial lambs were born and the genius of God he had to find shepherds whose job it was to look at the young sheep to decide whether this lamb was spotless enough, was perfect enough to one day end up on the altar in Jerusalem it were those shepherd priests who had to sign him off and so God said listen come and have a look at my lamb come and have a look at my lamb and see if this lamb isn't the right one And so God calls these shepherds because Jesus is the true sacrificial lamb. Now we say amen today, but you don't understand what that meant for those shepherds, for those priests. For in coming to worship Jesus, they were defying and breaking their own written code. For does not the commandment say, thou shalt not have Make any graven image of anything in heaven or on the earth. You should not bow down yourself or worship them. Doesn't the Ten Commandments say that? And yet here they are worshipping a baby. If word got back to Jerusalem, they would be fired. More than this, Jesus represented the very end of their entire system. If Jesus was really the Messiah, then they'd be out of a job pretty soon. And yet they came. You know, it took courage to worship Jesus then. It takes courage to worship Jesus now. If you're waiting to worship Jesus for the day when it's the real popular thing to do, when everyone's doing it, beloved, you may be waiting a long time. In fact, let me warn you, if you ever find yourself in a place or a time when worshipping Jesus is the most popular thing to do, sincerely question what's going on. For worshipping Jesus has never been popular. They were willing to risk being put out of their own position and religion because they realized that this baby was not just any baby, but the true Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Because indeed, they were bin men. They were in the business of taking away the spiritual rubbish of the children of Israel. That's what they did. That's what all those sheep were. They were just nice, biological rubbish bin liners they recognized in Jesus the lamb of God but finally Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem and the shepherds had to come and meet him because Jesus is the true tower of the flock Migdal Eda, the tower of the flock was the place it became the place of safety of shelter The place where the shepherds could climb up and could see all the surrounding fields. And know exactly where danger was coming from. It was the place where they ran to for shelter when a wolf or a bear or whatever would come over the horizon. They would rush the sheep into the tower and they would close it. It was the place where the lambs were born. The tower of the flock. Jesus is the true tower of the tower of the flock he is the place where we must go for shelter see the problem with many of us and it becomes especially apparent at christmas is that we have no real tower in our lives we have no place of safety we have no place of hope and so when things get bad we run to a bottle to a powder a herb that can be smoked, some music, someone who's allowing you to embrace them, though they're not your husband or wife. We run to all these other things to try to find safety and comfort, but they cannot sustain us. But Jesus is not just the lamb, he's also the tower of the flock. We can go to Jesus to find safety. When the enemy is chasing us, we can run in, the Bible says. The Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are saved. Jesus allows us to see over our situation. Sometimes we have no idea where we are. Beloved, I challenge you, climb up Jesus. If you get high enough in his love, you'll be able to see everything in perspective. Jesus is the tower of the flock. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. Jesus is born in the place of our pain. So these shepherds well, these shepherds find this baby. And when they find him, they go and they tell everyone the good news. And they don't really understand. For only shepherds can appreciate the birth of a lamb. Only shepherds can appreciate the birth of a good shepherd. Only shepherds can value a tower of the flock. My question to us this morning is this Christmas season will we see Jesus for who he really is will we get past the tinsel and find the Christ will we make our way from hearing the beautiful rendition of the angels to actually worshipping the baby himself Will we go to the place of our pain? As I close, some scholars and thinkers suggest that maybe Jesus was born in the Tower of the Hock itself. See, we are not sure, we are not told, but... The Bible tells us that there was no room in Bethlehem itself. And Migdal Eda, the Tower of the Flock, is just a few short, scant distance from Bethlehem. After all, it was Rachel who couldn't quite make it to Bethlehem who died, who was the reason why they have this tower. Could it be? I don't know. But it seems like there's a beautiful poetry if it's true. That when Joseph and Mary, his wife also heavily pregnant, when they tried to make it to Bethlehem, maybe they too couldn't find anywhere there. And as they went out into the surrounding area, looking for a place to have this child, looking for some shelter, maybe they saw in the not too far distance this tower. The place where they would bring the sheep. The place where they would birth the sheep, where it was warm, where there were mangers or troughs. And maybe Joseph and Mary found their way to this tower. And on the very spot where hope seemed to have died, hope was reborn. Isn't that just like God turning our tragedy? into triumph turning our tests into testimonies isn't that just like God I want to give an opportunity for someone who wants to say this morning God I've lost some things this year I've lost some people this year lost my hope lost my faith I've lost a job I've lost a loved one I've lost a relationship oh we come to church and act like we're married but at home whatever it might be that you've lost if there's anyone who wants to say this morning Jesus would you be born in the place of my pain would you be the true lamb of God that takes away my sin and shame would you be my tower of protection if that's you I want to invite you to come and just join me at the front here I want to pray with you I'm I'm saying it myself I I need this if there's anyone else who wants to come and join me just come and join me just come and join me I want to pray for you the hand of the person standing nearest to you. Is there anyone else? Maybe you are nervous to come, but just raise your hand where you are. Could we see your hand? If that's you, just raise your hand where you are. Father God we are sheep without a shepherd we are lost and afraid and cold in the night we've lost so many things this year they say they sing that this is the most wonderful time of the year but actually for many of us the Christmas season only reminds us of the things that we've lost the people we've lost but we come here this morning Lord because we recognize that you are born in the place of our greatest pain. And we're asking Jesus that like those shepherds on those hills that you would give us a revelation from heaven to help us to understand the plan and the purpose that you had for us. Lord, we realize that sometimes as with Jacob Your plan and your purpose for our lives can extend beyond our lives. Thousands of years after Jacob died, we understand why you allowed Rachel to die in that place. Lord, I pray that you help us to see your purpose in our life, even in our pain, in our loss, in our suffering. And this Christmas season, Lord, as we celebrate the good things, May we also be able to rejoice, knowing that even in the bad things, you're turning it around. You're turning our pain into praise, turning our tests into testimonies, our trials into triumphs. So, Lord, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of the dark. Lord, I want to pray for each and everyone who's standing here. You know their individual hearts. You know their individual needs. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you would touch them, that you would enter them, that you would fill them, that you would comfort them, that you would assure them that your love for them has not changed just because their circumstances have. Lord, may we enter you, the strong tower of the flood. May you be a tower over us this year coming. May we be able to run into you for safety and climb you for perspective. May you protect us and overshadow us. May you be so prominent on the landscape of our life that our enemies think twice about attacking us when they see you. Lord, we pray for those who are not here who needed to hear this message, that you would touch them. Well, I want to pray for any who may even be listening to this now in the future on the podcast, that you would touch them and that you would bring us all one day to your heavenly pasture where the lion will lie down with the lamb where we will finally be free and be safe. Keep us faithful to that day, we pray in Jesus' name.